Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. Praise God. It's good to have you in tonight. We're looking forward to Sunday, looking forward to being together again in the house of the Lord, being able to be back together and experiencing the joint blessing of fellowship and the presence of the Lord in the house together. It's going to be mighty. You want to be here uh, on Sunday. Um, as Pastor Nick said there, God has been putting something on my heart. I'm going to share it with you tonight. It's something the Lord's been doing in my heart. Uh, it's something that's very real and uh, something that I feel like can be a benefit and a blessing. And, uh, you know, the Word talks about the ministers being first partakers uh, of the corn, uh, that we're to first partake of the Word and have it work in our lives. So we're not up giving you something that, uh, that is in theory, but it's something that God has done in our hearts. It's something that God has spoken, and we are living it out. And uh, over the past year, it's actually been over a year now, um, it was really began last January before COVID hit. I experienced a real heartbreak, and uh, not going to go into detail, but it was something that, that really shook my faith. It was something that really, um, you know, was brought back to a place where I had experienced a great deal of discouragement, a great deal of, of hurt and loss. And God had me revisit that, and um, you know, and it was it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. I thought that it would be much easier than it was. But when I went there, when when God took me back to this place, and and you know, sometimes God does that in our lives. God God will take us back to places maybe that we've not healed from, areas that that need to be reconciled. Uh, places that uh, seeing people and, and familiarity that, that maybe hold for us uh, hurt uh, and, and disappointment. And so God had me visit. God had me go back and revisit a place. And uh, I tell you, it was one of the most difficult seasons of my life. And it affected me for a whole year, over a year. I didn't tell any, didn't I would have a couple of close associates that I spoke to about it, but it was, it, it became for me a very difficult uh, journey, a very difficult um, thing to try and work through, uh, uh, revisiting and going back, and it brought in a whole lot of fear, a whole lot of doubt, and, uh, and it just permeated my life. It really uh, did a number on my heart and my mind. And it was really through what I'm going to share tonight that God brought me out, that God brought me out of it through a season of pain, through a season of trauma, through a season of heartache, uh, to a season where you question the voice of God, you question uh, the reality of God, uh, those things that we all face. And because I'm a minister, it doesn't mean that I am uh, exempt from any of that. But just to set this message up for you tonight, this is something that has helped me. This is something that God has done in my heart 
to, to bring me to a place of transformation and to bring me to a place where God stepped in and did a work in my heart and brought healing and brought hope and brought clarity and did something. It was a work of his hand. And I'm going to share with you, tonight's title was Stepping Towards Mercy. That's the name of it. Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. But we're going to talk about transformation. I'm going to read two scriptures to you, and then we'll jump into the message. And so, dear brothers, this is the Apostle Paul speaking towards the end of Romans. He's just laid out the gospel, the good news. Really, there should be no break here from Romans 11 to 12. And the original letter, it just flowed. And so he's given the great news of God's mercy, the good news. He's outlined it. He's shared it. He's talked about it. And, uh, and he basically begins to say in verse 12, in light of that, in light of all that God has done with you, for you, and to you, on your behalf, um, God is calling you to transformation. God is calling you to live a supernatural life. God is calling you uh, to be people that the kingdom of God is expressed through, that you would be people that would know peace, that you would be people that would know righteousness, that you would be people that would have wisdom and discernment. You would have joy. You would have strength. Uh, these things that, that are within us, the kingdom would basically be unpacked in our lives and that's when we talk about transformation. How many of you know that all the transforming power you need is resident within you right now? Everything you need is given to you already. Everything. You don't have a little bit of the Holy Spirit and you gain more. God has put within you everything pertaining to life and living a life for God. It's there. It needs to be unpacked. You, you, we, we, need to, we need God to come in and adjust our thinking, adjust our lives to that life within us so that we can experience it, so that it can transform us and change us into different people. And so Paul is compelling the Romans to now experience this transformation. He goes on in Romans chapter 12, 13, and 14 to tell us what that looks like, but this is an invitation. So this is an invitation tonight for you and for me to be transformed to be transformed. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. And I like what it says in the King James, I plead with you, therefore, according to the mercies of God, that you present yourself, that you come, uh, let them uh, present yourself to him, let, let your life be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy. And uh, another, in another uh, translation says, don't be conformed to the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How many of you know God is interested in what we think? This isn't pop psychology. This is biblical it's right out of the Word of God. God wants to adjust the way we think so that we can experience transformation, so that we can unpack, so everything within us can be unpacked, so everything within us can be released and be lived out. And, and Paul says, 
you, you, God wants you to experience transformation into a new person by renewing your mind. Another translation says, then it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you. I know there are a lot of people who are Christians. What is God's will for me? What's his plan for my life? How many of you know it's knowable? It's tangible. You can know the will of God for you. God didn't save us to leave us wonder in this world without hope, without knowledge of his will. God's very clear. For those who are listening and those who are interested and those with intent, God can speak to you and you can know the will of God. That you may learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And the other translation is that you may demonstrate to the world the will of God. That you may demonstrate to this world around you that God is in you, that the kingdom is in you. So the first thing I want to point out from Scripture tonight is this reality, that God wants to transform your life and my life on a continual basis. This is scriptural. It's not just a one-time transformation that we remember and we put on a, a date in a journal. Well, I gave my heart to Jesus. He touched me way back then. No, Paul says this to believers to people that were there on the day of Pentecost, to people that experienced the Holy Spirit. That's not enough. You need a transformation. You need to be in a place where God is forming you and shaping you. And in your life, he is doing something supernatural. And, and this is the invitation. This is the context. Paul says the Christian is never to be out of the realm of supernatural change. It's not a once-off thing. It's not just a one and another. Our salvation is. But this transformation, the Bible says, goes from glory to glory to glory, from strength to strength. So God's heart for you is he doesn't leave you the way he found you. He doesn't leave you in our misery and in our pain. But his heart for us is to transform us. That we are in to be in contact and God has made provision through the new covenant that we can experience transformation on a daily basis, on a moment by moment basis. That the Holy Spirit is resident within each one of us as children of God to transform our lives. So this isn't just a head knowledge. This isn't just a theology. This isn't just mind over matter. This is the dwelling person of God, the Holy Spirit living in you, living in me, transforming and changing us, taking us from lower thinking to higher thinking, to, to, from, from uncaring to loving, from unforgiving to forgiving. From walking in disobedience to walking in obedience, the way is getting brighter and brighter for the child of God that is intentional about this transformation that, that takes up this invitation that is written here because it's an invitation. There's an invitation to you as an individual. You heard an invitation when you first came to Christ, but here's another invitation. Come and be transformed on a continual basis. Not just in a church service, not just in a worship service, but on a continual basis. This is the will of God for you, that you are being changed, that you are being touched. And we are, we are constantly interacting with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just doctrine alone. 
The new covenant has brought us into intimacy with God. He has brought us into fellowship. He has brought us into sonship. He has brought us into underneath the influence of the Holy Spirit. This is a hands-on. This is a, 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 a God at work in us transformation. And, and transformation in this context means that God wants to change us by his grace, by his power and his ability so that the kingdom that is within us is demonstrated and tangible. Out of the ether, out of the, out of out there, you know, we talk about God as if he's sitting in the cosmos somewhere, like a big grandfather, you know, with a beard and he's sitting there happy and jovial or however you're pinned of him, his view, you're angry or whatever, however you view him, he's out there somewhere. The Bible's clear that God isn't out there somewhere. He's a very present help in time of need. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence within you. God has taken up residence within you, and he wants his kingdom to be demonstrated. Demonstrated in our lives so that people can see Jesus in you. That they're not just hearing the words. That it's not just a, a message, a letter that kills, but it's a life within you that gives life to others. And we see this in a couple of different places. This word here, transform, is the same word that's used when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Olives. And this is what Paul says, you are invited to a very similar experience. Maybe not one outwardly that you shine as Jesus did in all of his glory. He just showed, it really was God just pulling back the veil and showing who he already was. When the presence of God overshadowed his son and the, the, the disciples that were there, they saw him transfigured. They saw him transformed. That word is metamorphosis. It's the same word that happens, it's the same that happens that, that changes a, a, a caterpillar into a butterfly. It's a complete change. Something completely different. Something from heaven. Matthew 17, 2. There were, he was transfigured or transformed before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. This is what it says, Matthew 72. Then Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, using the same word, hearkening back again, because this, this word's only used three times in the New Testament. The second time is in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed, as we are transformed into his glorious image. Paul says what happened to Jesus in the lives of his disciples is to be part of the Christian experience. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to have such an experience where you're going to glow. That's not what the scripture said. But Paul is saying that they're the same way that God's presence overshadowed his son and changed his image. The same presence that lives in you as you intentionally look to heaven, as you intentionally set your face towards God and seek his will, there's going to be the same transfiguration inside. Everything that was ugly about your humanity is going to take on a glory. Everything that was, was this way in your life and, and, and didn't really shine for Christ 
God's going to overshadow you inside, and he's going to change you. There's going to be a demonstrable change in your life. And this is what the scripture says. This is why as Pentecostals, we rejoice in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because part of our inheritance, yes, it's heaven. Yes, it's righteousness. But it's the very life of God. It's an experience with God. And that's why we'll always stay experiential. That's why we'll always say that the word comes with power and demonstration. With the Holy Spirit, he is present. Things are going to change. Whenever the word is spoken, you see it in Genesis. The word was spoken. The Holy Spirit was there and the word was spoken. And he worked in tandem with the word to change and to do what God had said needed to be done. And that is exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives that you may show everyone what is the good and acceptable will of God. What is the will of God? Have you ever thought about that? What is the will of God? Sometimes we think of it as maybe it's going to China as as a missionary, or maybe it's a vocational call, or maybe it's something like that. I want to break it down. It's much more simpler than that. I want to bring it to you tonight. This is the will of God. What is the will of God? That his kingdom would be established in your life and my life and my heart and your heart on a daily basis. This isn't about location. This is about where you are every, every second of the day, every, every day of the week, every week of the month, every month of the year. This is about you and me right now where we are. This isn't about a future context. This is about us. This is the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, joy, and love towards God and man. That's the, this is what Paul is saying here. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. He wants to, to put this righteousness within us, this peace within us, that we walk in peace, that we live in peace, that there's a, a joy in our lives, and, and we, we are no longer dictated, to, dictated by circumstances, and it's not crisis management in our lives and always looking for deliverances, but whatever state we're in, we have peace and we have joy in the Holy Spirit because God has done a work in us. That, that no matter what happens in our lives, there is something there, tangible, something of God, something real. God wants to show you how real he is, not by answering just outward prayers, but by demonstrating inside, I'm with you. you I'm going to put a righteous life within you. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you joy and love towards others. This righteousness It's right inclinations. I'll give you a new heart, God says. You're going to be inclined to do the things I want you to do. Where before you weren't. Before you were were so bound to your lustful desires and your sins. You couldn't help but do what they dictated. But now God says, I'm going to free your heart. And I'm going to give you right inclinations. You're going to love the things I love. This is transformation. You're going to love people. You're going to love the things I love. You're going to, you're going to have a heart towards what's right. Right living and right thinking. How many of you know we need right thinking now more than ever? We need the Holy Spirit to transform the church so the church has right thinking in this world. 
This is righteousness. This is transformation that you go from wrong thinking to right thinking. That your ideas about God become subservient to what God says about himself and you begin to think rightly. You begin to, you begin to live rightly. You begin to move in the right direction. You have a clarity for life. How many of you know that God wants to give us clarity for life? Clarity in direction. You'll have discernment. Oh, how we need discernment. John talks about a discernment that we need. He says, you don't have anybody to teach you all the time what's God's will and what's not God's will. And is this God or is that not God? For you have the Holy Spirit within you and an anointing that teaches you, gives you discernment. God wants to transform your thinking not only that, in those times that are ambiguous, in those times where you don't know the will of God, the Holy Spirit can give you discernment. When everything looks right, when everything smells right, the Holy Spirit can drop discernment in your heart and you can know, this isn't right for me. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to discern his will in my life. You'll be able to know the heart and mind of God. You'll have God's wisdom and oh, how we need God's wisdom and his clarity, God's mind, Christ's mind, peace in your mind. Amen. That's part of the kingdom of God. This is part of transformation. God says, I want to take the trouble out of your heart. I want to take the anxiety out of your heart. I want to take you from, from you living a life where you're going from trauma to trauma, difficulty to difficulty, dysregulated, all over the place, up and down in your emotions. I want to put peace in you. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. No matter what happens in this world, God says, I'll give you a peace. I'll transform you. And, and this is God speaking to us. This isn't something that we have to make happen. This is the great thing about covenant and the gospel. God says, I'll supply it. I'll give you peace in your mind. I'll give you peace in your home. I'll bring an order into your life that comes from heaven. I'll, I'll, I'll give you your heart's desire. Some of you want an ordered life. You're so disordered. And you're thinking you're so disordered in your life. You go in and it's chaos. You can't even look at your house because there's everything is out of order. It's just overwhelming you. God says, just give me your heart and let me touch it. And I'll put order here. I'll help you. I'll help you wash the dishes. I'll help you put your life in order. I'll help you sort the bills. I'll give you the strength you need to demonstrate my life because I care about you. I'll give you joy. God wants to give you joy. Amen. Thank God. He wants, it's God's heart to give us joy. God doesn't want us to walk around mourning. There's a time for mourning. There's a time for crying. But there's also a time for joy. There's a time to rejoice. There's a time when the burdens are lifted and the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. And we are smiling and there's a brightness. This is the heart of God. God wants to give you joy. It's coming from heaven. He's not, this isn't a mind trick. This isn't something you've got to work up. You, you don't have to get in the line and listen to, you know, and laugh your way to joy. God can give you joy. He can give you freedom. And he can cause your heart to rejoice. He wants to give you love. The ability to love. 
the ability to love beyond your own self. With that, the, the ability to forgive, the ability to see people differently. This is what God is promising for the believer. You, you, folks, this is not something that you have to go to Bible school for. This is not something that, that you've got to do a 12-week course on. This is something that God says, you come towards me. You step towards me, and I'll do it. Because you don't know how to do it. Some of us have so many, so many messed up situations in our life, we couldn't figure it out if we tried. God says, that's okay. I know what's going on. I know where A needs to meet B and C needs to meet D. I've got it all under control. We need to have the faith to believe the power of the Holy Spirit that he's able to transform us. The church, you know what? The church doesn't believe in transformation anymore. We're preaching pop psychology and teaching people. You can find that there are a dime a dozen on the YouTube. Not not just Christian preachers, but pop psychologists, they're the same way. They're just adding Jesus to it. Folks, if you could do it, God wouldn't have sent the Holy Spirit to help us. God has sent the Holy Spirit because we can't do it. And God wants to give us these things. Isn't that wonderful? Number two, I, I've gotten preaching, and I, I, I want to get to this. It's not God's will, Paul says, for us to be shaped by the world. Paul says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world shape you into its likeness, which is everything contrary to God's kingdom. Wrong thinking, wrong living, turmoil, no rest in your heart, always rushing to get more. That's, that's the world's way. Me first. Hold a grudge. Don't forgive. All of this nonsense, all these things that's in the world's way of thinking. God says, I don't want that to be the shaping influence of your life, Christian. But sadly, so many Christians are being shaped by the world around them. And we get pulled up. I've been there. We get sucked in. And it's powerful. It's in your face. It's on your devices. It's on your television. This, this, this drive and this push and this rush to nowhere. It's a rush to emptiness and nowhere. God says, no. My believers are not to be shaped by the hands of the world, but they are there to be transformed by the influence and power of the Holy Spirit living within them. How do, I, how do I experience transformation? This is where I want to get to tonight and close out with this because to say all this and leave you there, I would be derelict. So give me five minutes and I'll try and get us to where I feel like the Holy Spirit is trying to speak. Transformation begins by taking an intentional step towards God's mercy for the purposes of God to be demonstrated in our lives. Transformation doesn't just happen. Paul's very clear about this. Now, you can believe in a grace where you don't do anything and you're not required to step into prayer or to seek God, but I can tell you that's no grace at all. For the grace of God teaches us to deny all ungodliness and to live lives for God. That is not grace. And if you want to equate set being intentional in, in seeking God and being with the Lord as a work, you are way off base scripturally. It is not a work. It is a, it's a right, and it's something that, that God has given to us as a gift. 
that we can sit. But it, it requires intentional stepping towards God. It requires it. It requires it. Paul says this, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Paul makes it clear, transformation isn't just automatic in a believer's life. There, there's something intentional. Paul says, you are to live an intentional life as a Christian. There's an intention in this. There is something that, that God has done everything, provided everything, and now God says, I want you to be intentional. I want you to step towards me. The covenant is there. The grace is there. It's all there. Transforming power is there. The Holy Spirit is there. But I want you to come and ask for it. I want you to come and seek me for it because I'm going to give it to you. I want to I bless you more. Paul is clear as Christians, we are to live out our lives with intention, with direction, with purposeful, purposeful pursuit of God's agenda in the earth. We are not to be spectators. So many people say, well, I tried this and I tried that. I want to tell you something. If you tried Jesus and you've not been transformed, you lacked intent. There was something lacking in your experience. Because when you are intentional, when you come in faith and you are asking the Holy Spirit and you are asking God to move in your life, he will not disappoint you. We are to purposefully point our lives in God's direction for us. We are to invest our time, our attention, our resources in God's agenda and plan. That's what Paul says. You're to present yourselves with intention. And he gives the picture of the lamb being taken into the temple. And let me tell you something. They did not haphazardly walk up with a lamb and just present any old thing before God. And Paul is clear here that there's an intention. There's, there's a holy intention in the life of a believer that we are to continually come. And we're not just to rock up and, and just give God the, 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 the bits of our time and expect great results and expect the Holy Spirit to do great things in our life. It doesn't work that way. Nothing in nature works that way. Everything that is beautiful in this world, everything that is built with any type of design, it takes time and intention. And it's the same thing with spiritual growth. That there's, a, there's an investment on our part. There's something that God is after. He's after our attention. He's after our hearts. And we're to be purposeful. Not haphazard, not lazy, not thinking that transformation will just happen in our lives. The mercy has been given on the cross. The grace has been provided for us to enjoy transformation. The way has been made for us. The work has been done already for us to live in the daily benefits of Christ's death on the cross. The work has been done. The hardest part has been taken care of. And now God says, I want you to move with intention towards transformation because it's there that you're going to meet me and it's there that things are going to happen. Paul says it takes intent, purpose, surrender, and minding it, looking for it. And I'm convinced that when we step towards God's mercy, in light of all that he has provided with a heart of faith, with an intent, with a purpose, with a knowing inside that says, that says this, the scriptures 
that says, I, I want to move towards God. I want to move towards his purposes. He has more for me than I know. He has great things for my life. He has righteousness and peace and joy. And as we move with intent towards God's mercy, because that's what Paul says, and this is the crux of the message tonight, as we move towards mercy, this isn't a works message, but as we respond to mercy, as we respond to the grace of the covenant, you can know about the new covenant, but you don't live in the benefits of it. You can know all that Jesus has done for you on the cross. You can know about Pentecost. You can know all that stuff, and that's all it is to you is head knowledge. Until you take it up in faith and say, you know what? That's mine. That's mine. What he's provided for, the Holy Spirit, the life, the peace, the righteousness, it's mine. And this is the asking that Jesus says will not be. If you ask anything according to my name, it will be done to you. Hallelujah. The scriptures are full of testimonies where men and women took a step towards God's mercy. And God demonstrated his power on their behalf. I'm going to read this. I don't have time to go into it, but it's one of my favorites. And this is, this is the journey, Right? Because you may be covered up right now. You may be in the clutches of the world's conforming hands and you don't even know where to begin. You don't even know how to set a time, side, aside time to seek God. Your mind may be so cluttered with all your failures, with all your past, that you don't even see how. And you don't have to see how. That's what I'm telling you tonight. There is something for you in God that can be accessed when you step towards his mercy. You don't have to know all the details, but just know that God will meet you there and he will transform you. There's a touch for the believer, not just a one time, but a daily touch from the Holy Spirit. Second Kings 7, 3 through 20 tells a story about four lepers. I'm going to, I'm going to cut to it real quick. This story is one of my favorite stories. Samaria, where these men lived, is surrounded by the Syrian army. They, it is curtains for the people that are trapped inside the city. It's over. They've been besieged. There's two, 200,000 men or however long, huge army outside. They are besieged. They're starving to death. Children, they're, they're cannibalizing their children. They're, I mean, they're eating dung from birds. It is an awful, awful situation, and the enemy is breaking their will. The enemy is just, they're decimating the, the people inside. They're dying. They're dying. And there's four lepers are, are stuck between a city that is besieged and the enemy, and they're on the outskirts. They're not welcomed in, and they're not welcomed out there, and so they're going to be the first to get it. If that army advances, they're going to be first to die, to die. But sometime in this night season, one of them speaks up to the other three and says to them, you know what, guys, we're going to die anyway. I mean, the sentence of death is already in us. Because they couldn't be in the city. They had leprosy. And there was a whole colony. It wasn't just these four. But four men out of how many ever lepers out there just started talking. And they said, you know what, guys? We're weak. We've got nothing to lose. Let's go to the enemy. Maybe they'll have mercy on us. Maybe they'll have mercy on us. And, and with that scent of mercy, just a smell, just a smell, maybe 
Just maybe our enemy will have mercy on us. And so these men, the twilight came, and as the sun began to rise, and I think that there's something even in that. I think that there's something even in the fact that as day began to break, these men just broke with everything that was going on in the city, their weaknesses and all the reasons why they shouldn't go. They broke with that, and they just said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to have a hope. It may be 99.99999% that we are going to be killed when we get there. But that point zero 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 one percent we're just going to, it's going to fuel our journey. And as we step towards mercy, hallelujah, as these men rose up in twilight, four men, and I mean, it must have been something. I hope that we can watch this in heaven. These four guys, they're just like four friends out there dying on the wall. You know, it's desperate for these desperate. It's like, so what? We got nothing to lose, guys. Let's go for it. And so with that little bit of hope and mercy, the Bible says that the, the Syrians started to hear the armies of heaven. Hallelujah. As they began to hope in that little bit of mercy, the Bible says that they, the Syrian army heard an invading army. Isn't that powerful? No wonder hell wants to keep us trapped away from believing in God's mercy because the devil knows what will happen when God's people, anyone begins to believe in God's mercy. As they believed in mercy, the Bible says that the, the, the enemy, they fled. They heard an army, four lepers. They sounded like an army. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And folks, there was a transformation that happened. When those men stepped out, they delivered themselves and they delivered a whole city. And there's a, that's a gospel message in that. That when you, how much more? We're not talking about a godless Syrian army. We're talking about the God of heaven that sent his son to down a cross. And if they could hope in point zero 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 point one percent of mercy in a godless Syrian army, how much more can we hope in a God that spared not his own son? And as we begin to move towards that, God does something. God steps in, and folks, this is how transformation happens. The step number one is you must be intentional. That it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter your failings. It doesn't matter what got you to where you are that right now. As you just believe in mercy, and as you begin to step out, God says, I'll do the rest. Hallelujah. And with every step you take, the angels and the armies in heaven are standing at attention. And God is moving on your behalf. And he will move in your behalf. And he will transform your life. And he will impart his kingdom in powerful ways. Hallelujah. Step towards mercy. Always, that's the key to this journey is step towards mercy. No matter where you get to in your life. Be intentional. Step towards God's mercy. Never believe the lie of the enemy that God has forsaken you, that he's going to leave you, that he's going to judge you. Believe in the mercy of God and watch God transform your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord tonight. We're going to close. I went over. I, I do apologize, but I feel like that's a word from us, for us, that in the coming days, 
however you spent lockdown, however, whatever situation, step towards the mercy of God. Watch God do something in your heart. Watch God do something in your life. Watch him give you direction. Watch him give you clarity. Watch him do something so powerful that, that you won't be able to just keep it. Those men said, Good, we, we've got to share this. And they went back to the city and they delivered a whole city. Four lepers with the hope and mercy. Folks, what can a believer do if every morning you wake up and you say, God, I don't have it together, but I'm hoping in mercy today. I'm hoping in mercy today. I'm taking that step towards mercy today. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to set aside time in the day. I'm going to step towards mercy. And as you do, God's transforming power will touch your life. Let's pray right now as we close out. It's a message for you today. Step towards mercy. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, this, is, this began a transformation in my heart as I began to believe that God was for me. Hallelujah. I began to believe and go against the lies. And as I did, every step I took, God began to give clarity. He began to give hope. He began to transform my heart. And I'm praying that he'll do the same in yours. Let's pray right now. Father, there are people here tonight listening and in this auditorium that need to step towards mercy. Even if they can't believe everything good about you. Even if they, they doubt some things. But Lord, as they begin to move towards your mercy, I hear, they, they, even if they just hear the good news that there is mercy for you in your situation, right where you are, as you journey towards him with intentionality, God says, I'm going to transform you. Lord, I pray tonight that there be many stepping towards mercy. Tomorrow morning, they'd wake up early and they'd say, you know what, today's going to be different. Today is going to be different. I'm going to step towards mercy today. Hallelujah. And Father, I pray as they step towards mercy to meet you with this promise, Lord, something would happen. Transformation would happen. Peace would come. Grace would come. Joy would begin to come. Lord, let your people rise in intention to believe you. To believe you. And trust you. I believe you, Lord, tonight. You're touching many hearts. You're touching many lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you all tonight. It was so good to be here. Don't forget to come in on Sunday. It's going to be brilliant. We, we're looking forward to having everybody back. Don't forget if you're at home, don't be afraid. Step towards mercy if you're afraid. Step towards, if, if God can deliver four lepers, surely he can bring you into an auditorium and keep you as you come and lift your hands and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. So praise the Lord. Good night and God bless you all. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us, info at corkchurch.com, or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thanks for tuning in, and see you next time. God bless.